Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Greetings, everyone. Karibu to another week. Hoping this finds us all healthy and safe. I hope we've had a better week. And my prayer for us is that the Lord's arm of strength once again might come in soon and help us all out of this. But more than that, is that the Lord will give us wisdom for the times so we'd come out glorious just as he did after his ordeal at the cross. Karibu sana. My name is Fred Alexander Oyola, a pastor here at Nairobi Chapel in Bakasi. I'm so glad once again, another week that you've chosen to be with us from wherever you are. Some quick announcements as we always do. Follow us on our social media handles. Nairobi Chapel Embakasi is the name. Type it on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. On it, you'll find a link tree link. Let me repeat that again. It's a link tree link. And on it, we have our Sunday online service. We have our podcast summons, the 2020 Bible reading plan. We have our giving details, our children's crafts, our devotions for the week. And this includes the teens' devotions, the adult devotions. And finally, a communication line in case you need to holler at us concerning anything. This month, man, we began a new sermon series and we've simply called it Make Room. You are asking me to make room? Yes, we are in Jesus' name. In the first week, we began by looking at Jesus, the absolver of the condemned. We looked at the state of the globe, our nation, our homes, and we said that in as much as we are confined to our homes, in as much as our homes are currently in a very tight financial situation, that is the story for almost every person that we are talking to. And in as much as we would struggle with the budget of another mouth to feed, the Lord Jesus is beckoning us, knocking at our doors, asking to be let in. Would you believe that? We read Revelation 3.20. There are the very words of Jesus telling us that he's standing at our doors, knocking, and that if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, He'll come in to eat with that person, and that person will eat with him. The question then, the question today, and the question we'll still be asking the whole month, is that whether you and I will let him in. We then look to the story of the prostitute in Luke chapter 7, where we learn that she made room for Jesus in this manner. Number one, we are to look for Jesus as she looked for him. And as one looks for silver, gold, or even hidden treasure. When we find him, we are to put, we are to pour on him our best prayers of remorse, joy, strength, and adoration, just as she poured the perfume on him. We are to surrender all we consider glorious in our lives and glorify him in every possible way, just as she did, by taking a glorious hair, the symbol of her glory, and using it to wipe the very feet of God. She basically worshipped him, setting aside all that she considered important to her. We finally saw that Jesus absolves or declares the condemned prostitute free. Hear that? Free from all of her guilt and punishment as a result of her sin and declares her, oh, saved. We too will be saved if we make room for Jesus despite our condemned state. Last week was very powerful. We looked at Jesus, the approbator of the despised. We began by looking at the state of the world, the continent, and the country as concerns the relief efforts given to cushion the strenuous financial times that we are all in. We then looked specifically at our Kenyan tax relief detail and went as far as looking at tax details in the Bible. We looked at the Jesus encounter with Zacchaeus 
the chief tax collector as told in Luke chapter 9 verse 1 to 10 and we summarized it as follows as follows we said that Zacchaeus wanted to see for himself who Jesus was he never got ashamed of climbing up a tree to see Jesus and when he eventually uh, when Jesus eventually saw him and invited himself to his house Zacchaeus obliged he never refused Zacchaeus then makes amends of his wrongs as a tax collector and in all this we see that Jesus approbated or approved of the despised Zacchaeus in front of everyone. He did this in front of everybody else, just like the prostitute woman. He, declares, he declared his whole house saved and all this came from the fact that he also simply made room for Jesus. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 to 16. That is our Bible reading for this month. And allow me to read Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 to 16. I will read. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, hey, who has been tempted in every way. He has been tempted in every way. Let me say that again. He has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, this is a powerful thing. He did not sin. Let us then, verse 16, approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Today, we continue the Make Room series with Jesus, the disparager of the respected. Jesus, the disparager of the respected. Let's pray, guys. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for seeing us through another tough week. We thank you again for the blessed opportunity to break your word. May it be embedded in our hearts that we might never sin against you, especially in this difficult season you're all facing. Prepare our hearts now, this very moment, to be the very best ground for your word, and that in turn, it may bring forth an abundant and overflowing fruit. In Jesus' name, you all say amen. This COVID-19 virus has made the whole world almost be on the same level. Can you imagine that? What is happening in America is happening in Australia, is happening in Africa, is happening in Kenya. Can you imagine that for a second? It has gotten the poorest in our communities and made its way to the upper echelon of the prime ministers and princes. Like the Bible tells us, and just like Jesus, it's been a no respecter of persons. It has respected nobody. Those with money, those without money, those rich, those poor, those with a name, those without a name. Everybody's in the house. Their palace, their bedsitter, and their mansion. Everybody's closed in. It has managed to close off most restaurants, businesses. Football is no more. My goodness. To all my football fans, guys, hang in there. It has single-handedly made the whole world speak the same language of hope. This one, hey guys, we will never forget. Jesus, believe it or not, also ruffled the feathers of the nation of Israel when he entered the scene. For 400 years, Israel was quiet. No prophet, no seers, no word of God. No one saying, thus say the Lord. Everyone heard about him, Jesus. And the only thing that mattered when he came to the scene is whether he rubbed you off in the right way or in the wrong way. Jesus stirred the scene, just like coronavirus has stirred the scene right now where we are. 
in John chapter 2, Jesus is in, the, is in Jerusalem for the Passover and enters the temple. And for the first time out of two, hey, causes a star. He beats up the people selling goods in it, claiming that his temple has been turned into a marketplace and the Jews can't believe it. For almost 400 years, no one has ever complained to the selling of goods in the temple. No one has revolted. But then this guy comes and he's causing a star. He even claims that he can destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. For sure, the temple priest cannot believe it. Who does he think he is? But he's done some miracles and so he assumes that he can come and disrespect people in the temple. Word obviously gets to the Jewish council or the Sanhedrin who later plot in chapter 11 of John to arrest him and probably even kill him. What's interesting is there's a man in the Sanhedrin and his actions after this episode of the temple will be our focus for today. This is none other than Nicodemus. Hmm? Nicodemus, what a name. He's a Pharisee and we pick him up in the following chapter of John chapter 3. In verse 3 to 21, he has the most mind-blowing conversation with Jesus. Who is still in Jerusalem, by the way. But he's having this conversation with Jesus in the darkness of the night. Before we get into the conversation, consider keenly the following about the Pharisees. One, they were Jews and strict followers of the Old Testament laws and the oral traditions handed down from the centuries. Number two, they believed that being descendants of Abraham was sufficient for God's approval and acceptance. Abraham was their father. They would not, number three, budge from their belief that God's favor was attained exclusively by obeying the law and adhering to the hundreds of tradition, additional traditions. You can now imagine why they had a big problem with the claims of this Jesus, this new prophet, this new man who, who just in a few chapters before changed, turned water into wine at his, the son of God. So let's get back to Nicodemus' conversation with Jesus. In this conversation, he only asks three times. He only talks, sorry, three times. He gives a statement first, then asks two powerful questions. Statement number one, he tells Jesus that he, Jesus, is a teacher who has come from God. This is the first thing he tells Jesus. For no one, he says, could perform the sign he's doing if God were not with him. For Nicodemus to acknowledge this, guys, tells us that he somehow realizes Jesus as having some form of power, just like the prophets of old did. This power, obviously from God. To this, though, hey, Jesus gets straight into telling him that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus begins by cutting through Nicodemus' traditions and beliefs that mainly focused on the material things that can be seen and even done. The Pharisees believed that approval and acceptance with God was only through being the descendants of Abraham and following of the Old Testament laws strictly. Jesus has seen that this Pharisee wants to know him for himself and is coming in the darkness of the night is also further proof. Jesus sees this as a perfect opportunity for truth and gives it to him unapologetically. Jesus was not a joke, man. Nicodemus then asked Jesus, how can someone be born when they are old? How? What are you talking about at the born again? 
how can someone be born? We are already grown. So do I go back to my mother's womb, my mother's stomach? What are you talking about? Surely they cannot enter a second time, he says, into their mother's womb to be born. Nicodemus, a respected Pharisee, is seen to want to know what Jesus is talking about. Of which Jesus tells him again that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. Now it goes deeper. And the spirit. Jesus is still attacking Nicodemus' beliefs and goes on further. He's going deeper to explain to him that for one to have approval and acceptance with God, one must be reborn of water and the spirit. This, unlike the material things Nicodemus is used to, the things that you have to do to be seen, the things, the, the traditions, the beliefs, the laws, is a non-material spiritual act of washing with water. That is the very word of God that purifies all impurities and idols of the human being and the spirit of God that brings about the transformation of the heart of the human being. This is not what Nicodemus is used to. Let me repeat that again. Nicodemus is used to the physical things, things that he can do with his hand, things that he can see, things that he can tick off a box. But what Jesus is talking about is the spiritual act of washing with water that is the very word of God that purifies all impurities and idols of the human being. And he's also talking about the spirit of God that brings about the transformation of the heart of the human being. Hey, fire from heaven. Finally, he asked Jesus how someone can be born of water and the spirit. How? At the born of water and the spirit. What are you talking about? Jesus then rebukes Nicodemus in on the spot by asking him, Dude, I thought you were Israel's teacher. Are you not a teacher? And do you not understand these things that I'm talking about? Basically, Jesus is asking Nicodemus, how he's been able to know, understand, and teach the Old Testament in the temple without coming to the understanding of what he, Jesus, is talking about being born again. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25-27 quite clearly says that I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This being from the Old Testament, memorized and taught but not understood of by Nicodemus, is some of the reason why Jesus asks him this daunting question. How can you be a teacher of the word? How can you be so respected? as one of the leaders of the temple of God, and yet do not understand the very things that you read. Hey, preachers, take note. Jesus finishes off the conversation by quoting the most popular verse in history, John 3.16. Hey, you better quote it, even as you hear me right now. <laughs> He's informing Nicodemus that he is the savior of the world, and that through him, this new birth of all mankind will occur and the result of which will be eternal life with the Almighty God. All he then asks of all mankind, including the very learned and respected Pharisee, is that one believes in him as the very son of the living God. Hallelujah. The Bible doesn't tell us if Nicodemus then received Jesus that fateful night. Can you think about that for a second? 
What we can tell from his mentions in the same book afterwards, though, is that something began to happen in his life. In John chapter 7, we see him almost defending Jesus before the priests and the Pharisees, asking that he be given a fair trial. This is asking of Jesus, that Jesus be given a fair trial before condemning him to an unfair arrest. This is when the Pharisees were starting to plot to arrest Jesus. In John 19, ah, this is beautiful. He helps Joseph of Arimathea to bury Jesus' body by buying about 75 pounds mixture of myrrh and aloes that are used to wrap him with, that, that, that they used to wrap him with in strips of linen in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Nicodemus now wasn't hiding in helping bury the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe his life was now changed. Nicodemus, guys, made room for Jesus. He made room for Jesus despite his very respected position as a learned Pharisee and teacher of the Old Testament law. Jesus, on the other hand, almost never overly respected him, but treated him just like any other person needing salvation. He made room for Jesus and risked the uproar of his fellow Pharisees. He, like the prostitute and the tax collector that we looked at in the previous weeks, also looked for Jesus, be it in the darkness of the night. And when he found him, never left until Jesus gave him the truth of the message of salvation. Why he came to this world, why he was doing the things he was doing. This changed Nicodemus forever. To the point he helps in the burying of the Lord and Savior without fear of the other Pharisees. Have your traditions and beliefs stopped you from accepting the message of Jesus Christ? Do you have a skewed understanding of being a follower of Jesus Christ and a believer? Do you understand that Jesus is the only way to spending eternity with the Almighty God? Are you willing to change your ways today, not tomorrow, not after Corona, today? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 2 that today is the day of salvation. Nicodemus was lucky in that Jesus was still not yet done with his mission on earth and so had time to make up his mind to accept him. In these times of ours, Jesus' warning rings very, very loud from Revelation 16, 15. He warns us severely that, look, guys, look. Behold, take note, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. But blessed are those that are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready, so that they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. Where is your heart today? Where are you? What's your eternity looking like? Do you know where you're going? Nicodemus thought he knew especially being a Jew, a Pharisee, a learned person of the times. He was one of the leaders of the temple, one of the leaders of the church. He knew exactly where he was going. He was teaching the very word of God. He opened the scriptures every Sunday before the others. And yet he was not in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What of you? Do you know him? Guys, I must come to tell you this truth today. Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and will remain the same forever. He has never changed, nor will he ever change. 
His message is still the same. Nicodemus made room for him. And from the looks of things, I believe he later enjoyed salvation and eternity with the Savior he had a conversation with in the darkness of the night. The question I'm to ask all our listeners today is despite this coronavirus season, despite being closed off in rooms, despite our jobs going haywire, despite our financial situations being in total and utter ruin, do you know the Lord? And if you don't, will you accept him today? If this is you who does not know him, accepting the Lord is as simple as this. Romans 10.9 teaches us the formula. It informs us, that, informs us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's it, you'll be saved. I want to ask us to do something powerful today in our podcast, Samuel. If this is you who does not know where your eternity will be at, where you will spend eternity after you die, I urge you to repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, for too long I have kept you out of my life. I know that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior. Amen. If that's you, I urge you to rejoice. Hey, you better rejoice, for you're now a child of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, hey, send us a word through our social media handles messaging on Nairobi Chapel Mbakasi, so that we may rejoice with you, to celebrate with you. And my prayer for you is that may the Almighty God watch over you till you see him in glory. Thank you guys for making room for the Lord. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for sending your son Jesus and allowing that he die on the cross for all of us and for giving us a way into eternal life with you. Thank you, Jehovah, for reminding us today that we, are, we too can come into this life despite our respected positions in the society. Help us, O oh loving Father, to walk with you till we see you in eternal glory. In Jesus' name we pray, believing and trusting. And all God's people say amen. Guys, may the Lord bless you. May he protect you and always smile on you and be gracious to you. May he shower you with his favor, especially in these difficult times, and bless you with his peace. The peace that surpasses all human understanding. The peace that guards our hearts and minds. Till next time, guys, obey the curfew. Hey, stay home, stay safe, and you better watch your weight. <laughs>